one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It is hard to talk about anything else when you do bring up in your house Bad Blood 1997 other than Brian Pillman. Now, this event does hold a very special place in my heart, which we'll talk about later. But when I was just a stupid kid and I heard that Brian Pillman had passed away, well, I kind of assumed it wasn't real. I'm not saying that I thought it was part of the story or anything like that. But because I was basically a fetus with no brain rolling around, I just went, well, they're still playing the damn thing, so it really can't be that bad. Through today's eyes, though, I cannot believe that this happened and a pay-per-view was allowed to go through air. I mean, not only did a man die mere hours before your event, but the man in question was also meant to wrestle on it. I mean, when you get to the time for his match, you get an update on his passing instead. And I'm sorry, but flub me. This was, in my opinion, categorically the wrong decisions. Some things are just more important than professional wrestling. Namely, this and life and health and happiness. Rather than get into that here though, I instead am going to implore you to go out of your way to watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode that focuses on the loose cannon because they do a far better job than this bald idiot would ever be able to do. Obviously the personal side of it is what's most important, but the other thing that I took away is that if Brian Pillman had made it into the Attitude Era, there is no way he wouldn't have shone brighter than any star in the sky. I mean, in many ways, he was a catalyst for that time period. The whole gimmick and character he had come up with was ahead of its time. But yeah, not being able to comprehend that, I was so excited for the Hell in a Cell match that in the wee hours of the morning here in the UK, I snuck downstairs and made sure my parents didn't hear me, and I got so close to my television set that if I had gone... I could have kissed it. And thankfully, I was not disappointed because the sheer brutality that you get between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, you could argue, is yet to be surpassed, even though we're like 24 years later. And then it ends with the arrival, the debut of Kane, flubbed me sideways. Not only was this fantastic, but for my money, one of the greatest, if not the greatest debut ever. I mean, there was all this build and there was all this story and very smartly, WWF just pushed it to one side for a couple of weeks. So you basically forgot. And then out came this serial killer psychopath. It was like, oh my gosh, who the hell is that? I was so into this too, I have another story for you. Because weeks before the show, I was at my nan's house and she had one of those skyboxes back in the day where you need to have a data card. And if you didn't have an updated one, you could hear what was going on, but the picture was all scrambled. So I went through all the channels and I found wrestling, I found WWF, and I just listened 
to everything Paul Bearer was saying. You remember, he's alive, Roger Taker, he's alive. I didn't care that I couldn't see it. I just had to be a part of it, however the hell I could. And you can't say this didn't have some kind of impact because on the day you're watching this, if it is Sunday, what's happening later on? That's right, it's a pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell. The stipulation became its own thing. Elsewhere, ECW had convinced Taz to stay because Taz had gone out there and had some conversations with Eric Bischoff. And I can just not see Taz in World Championship Wrestling, although I bet he would have smashed it. And talking about WCW, Jeff Jarrett was negotiating his deal and basically playing WCW off with WWF. We know where that's going to go. We also have another reason to mark this on our calendars because in 1997, this was the last time that Vince McMahon would be a regular commentator on pay-per-views. His feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin was about to reach a whole new level, so he wasn't able to do both. My word, what a change we were in for. As such, I would like to celebrate some of his most common used mannerisms that he also does on Bad Blood around about 13,426 times. Because you get, I would suggest, and quite frankly, after nearly every sentence, you get what a maneuver, because he has absolutely no idea what the moves are called. The legendary one, two, three, oh no, he got out. And of course, his random laughs, where Jim Russell, Jerry the King Lawler will say something, and Vince just goes, ha 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 ha, and then cuts his laugh off as if somebody just hit full stop. But it all rocks. It's all so good. And Vinnie Mac is an underrated announcing gem. But in front of over 20,000 people, which is a lot, by the way, in St. Louis, it is what I'm pretty sure is my favorite in your house ever, just because of the last 40 minutes or so. That's how much it got inside of me. That was a weird thing to say. But anyway, let's up those doubts. The opening to Bad Blood is hilarious because you get your old school video and you get your old school production music, which is ever is really good. But the voiceover guy essentially goes, Shawn Michaels, what an absolute prick. It's really funny. This, of course, then all hits the wall because we cut to Vince McMahon, who has done his big intro and does indeed tell us that Brian Pillman has passed away earlier that day in his hotel room. It all just feels in very bad taste, especially looking back now. And even if I had done that sneaking we talked about earlier and I just watched two and a half hours of Brian Pillman clips, well, I think that would have been a better and a nicer tribute to somebody who once more was a trailblazer in the industry. Still, we do move on and what will pique your interest almost instantly is The Rock, who is a newly turned band guy and he's joined the Nation of Domination. He also cannot stop moving his hands. I know I'm one to talk, look at me go. I can't help myself. But if he's ever in the ring, or he ever knows the camera is focused on him, he's doing this and he's doing that. It's like they control him. They are taking on the Legion of Doom and Hawk actually calls the Nation of Domination, the Nation of Abomination. And that was a really bad line and he shouldn't have done it. And while they were meant to be joined by Ken Shamrock, in story he had been beaten up by the NOD. But in real life, he had a massive injury, so we were going to have a handicap match instead. The crowd goes absolutely crazy for The Rock as well when he does tag in, but of course they're booing and jeering and going, Rock, he sucks. Die, Rocky, die. And again, he gets in and just starts flipping his hands around like they're guns. The Legion of Doom are also the stiffest team you have ever seen in your life. Like when you actually do go back and watch this stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, they have no idea what professional wrestling is. And for a large portion of this, I could see Carmen Mustafa and I could see D'Lo Brown. But I was like, where is Farouk? It turns out he was going to be involved in the finish. Because he was just biding his time to come out there and distract Animal so that Hawk could be kicked in the back of the head and that The Rock could give him The Rock Bottom. 
but nobody calls it the rock bottom because at this stage in 1987, it's not the rock bottom, but you do get Vince McMahon, oh, what a manoeuvre. And you're like, man, everything's going to be all right. Plus, it wins the thing. This is actually quite decent, though, because it does have some kind of historical significance. And let's face it, ain't no way The Rock is ever going to be in the opening match now. You then get an update about Brian Pillman because, yes, it was here where he was meant to be having his match with Dude Love. Vince McMahon doesn't really know much of anything, but I really struggled to watch this because, once more, it just does not feel right. You then get a real blast from the past. If you didn't watch wrestling in the late 90s, this will come as somewhat of a surprise to you, but we then go to the minis or little people wrestling. Now, all of these dudes are actually quite talented, but the problem is when you find out that Vincent Mann used to book this stuff, because it made him laugh. I mean, how many times have we heard that? There was one guy as well called Max Mini who would always turn up in these things and he would always win. I don't really know much about this scene, but somebody came up to me and said, oh yeah, Max Mini's like the Stone Cold Steve Austin of that world. I'd be like, yeah, too flubbing right he is. The dude never gets pinned. Clearly though, this is also on the show because the WWF needed something to replace the Pillman match. And just take all of my words from earlier and paste them right here. But it is Max Mini and Nova taking on Mosaic and Tarantula. And while it's fine to a certain point, it's also just a little bit of a mess. I mean, they probably had no word that they were going to go out there on a flipping pay-per-view. I'm just going to give it a down move on. You then get the best advert for the brand new Stone Cold Steve Austin 316 t-shirt after this. Because one, you have to send a check to a random address and just hope that somebody does send you your merch. But also, never forget how much money Steve Austin made for this. And there was no internet, there was no click, click, bang, bang, it turns up at your house. You had to put so much effort in and that guy still made millions upon millions of millions. That's how popular he was. That's kind of all over the places that minis match was. It was like a WrestleMania main event compared to what came next. And Sonny was out here to the ring introductions. Sometimes Sonny just did that. And it was the Godwins taking on the Headbangers for the World Tag Team Championships. And I do not know what happened here. Down. Now as ever, because we have brought up the Godwins, we have to remind ourselves that one of these people was called Henry O. Godwin, Hog, and the other one was called Phineas I. Godwin, Pig. That's right, Hog and Pig, because they were farmers. This is what we're dealing with in 1997. But aside from that, you honestly, and I mean honestly, have never seen so many attempted spots and then flubbed spots as you do here. They try everything, clothesline, strikes, moves off the top rope, and every time it doesn't land flush, and they kind of look at each other like, well, should we keep on going? And of course they have to, you live on pay-per-view. After about five minutes, you can just tell they want it to be over, and it's actually hilarious towards the end, but Mosh goes for a Hurricane Rana off the top rope, he gets caught, he gets powerbombed, and it's just one, two, three, and we do get a title change, but by this stage, the fans are just like, I can't, I can't watch this anymore, please, please, just finish it. It is an absolute farce. And I actually feel sorry for all four guys. Sometimes you turn up to work and you just don't have a good day. And that explains this and then some. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. We then get this awesome segment afterwards where WWF decides to pay tribute to all of the successful wrestlers from the St. Louis area. And honestly, I mean, I suppose it is just the Hall of Fame, but we should do this kind of stuff more. Because you get Dory Funk, Terry Funk, Sam Munchdick, Harley Race. They all come out. They all get some kind of a plaque, which is a little bit strange, I grant you. But it just made me feel super duper nostalgic, which makes no sense because when they were around, I wasn't even born. But I've gone back now and I've watched them in action. Just do more of this. Up. I'm not really sure why we did do that, but it is so nice to see, which is doubly true for the one and only Owen Hart, who does on this night become the Intercontinental Champion. Now, this is actually quite sad to watch these days, because we have just heard about what happened to Brian Pillman, and two years later, well, another massive tragedy was going to be on our hands. He is taking on Farouk here, and of course, this ties into everything that had happened at SummerSlam 1997, when Owen Hart, very unfortunately, had dropped Stone Cold Steve Austin on his head. However, him and Farouk had got to the end of this big tournament to decide who was going to be the brand new IC champion. Because, you know, Steve Austin wasn't able to defend it, because once again, he got dropped on his head. The story is all over the place as well, but I really like it, because Stone Cold Steve Austin is at ringside, and he's doing this amazing commentary with the French and Spanish and out teams, but he takes that belt, he hits Farouk with it, and that knocks him senseless, meaning Owen Hart is able to pin him and become the champion. But why the hell would Stone Cold Steve Austin do that? But it's simple, he's going to face whoever does win this thing, and he wants to get his revenge on Owen Hart. And doesn't this just sum up the Stone Cold persona? You can see why it was about to launch into the stratosphere. Now, outside all of that, when we're talking about in the ring, this isn't of the level that you'd expect from an Owen Hart and Farouk, but how the hell can you blame them? You can just see it all over Owen Hart's face here. He is trying to deal with the horrific news he has probably only got a couple of hours earlier, 
and now he's been sent out there to wrestle. I mean, sure, maybe I'm looking for things that aren't there, but how on earth would you be able to do your job when one of your closest friends, who also happened to be in your wrestling stable, just passed away? So there's no up and there's no down for this one because it feels far too crass and some things, as I've already mentioned, are just too important. I'm amazed they were able to do anything. I would have been a flipping wreck. I am gonna give an up to Owen Hart's theme music here. I genuinely mean this. It is an all-timer for me. It flipping rocks. Up. Everything we just talked about as well then continues into our next match, which is the DOA versus the Lost Bariquas. Because of course, we were scrambling backstage trying to put a card together because of the massive news. So these guys had around about 10 minutes to not only put on their gear, but come up with a match and then just go to the ring and somehow try to pull it off in front of over 20,000 people and around about 250,000 on pay-per-view. I mean, that's not easy. It shows and it's incredibly disjointed, but that would be like taking me right now, throwing me in front of a camera and saying, uh, Simon, you need to talk about politics for the next 12 minutes. I'd be like, man, I don't even know what I'm talking about. And you would see right through me like a ghost. So again, no up, no down. I feel like it ties into the whole theme of this show. And Crush just pins Callisto after this tilt-a-world backbreaker. It's just kind of there. We could extend this to the next match as well, because what follows is the British Bulldog and Bret Hart, who also too must have just been feeling utterly overwhelmed. They are taking on Vader and the Patriot, who we'll talk about in just one second, but there's even more here, because it's meant to be a flag match. And then just before we get into the flag match, everyone just goes, oh yeah, even though it is a flag match, you can also do pinfalls and you can also do submissions. And then for an over 20 minute fight, not one person tries to get their flag. So who the hell knows what was going on with that? The Patriot also comes out to Kurt Angle's music and that is like eating a piece of pizza and it tasting like crap. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't what I expected. You can't do this, which is a testament to Kurt Angle and how over he got. But I just didn't like it. It didn't make me feel comfortable and it kind of made me want to run away. Really though, this whole thing is a massive uphill struggle because nobody in this is 100%. The British Bulldog is so injured he can barely walk around. Vader had shattered one of his arms who's basically just a one-limbed warrior and the Patriot had an infection earlier on in the week that was so bad he was hospitalized to the point the commentary team have to mention it because otherwise you'd be looking at me going well that man doesn't look very well somebody take him to a hospital yeah local medical facility so in short we should have just given these guys the night off but we didn't and like I say we sat out there for 20 minutes the hitman is so good though I tell you he really is one of the best ever. And it gets better with age. Because you can go and watch him in any single match in any of his eras or any of his periods and he just treats it so seriously. There's a small part of you that goes, I think Bret Hart matches are real. I also just enjoy watching him. There is something credible about all the work that he does that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. And no wonder he was so pissed off in late 1997. He is the WWF champion and yet he's playing second fiddle to the Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. The Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. But again, he is of such high skill level and I love him so much. I'm abusing my power and I'm giving him it up. Outside of that though, it is a mystery how anybody got through this and it does end with the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll up as Brat Hart gives that to Del Weeks or the Patriot. One, two, three. And then afterwards, the Patriot attacks the Hitman and he's meant to be the good guy, but he lost fair and square. So what a jackass he is. So wrestling was just nuts back then. I mean, it still is, but again, the point was, didn't need to do it, down. If you are going to watch it though, just check out the promo beforehand. 
For starters, the patron can't look into the camera, so he's cutting a promo like this. I'm gonna whoop your heart, Bret Hart, and you just wanna take his chin and push it over there. And Vader basically does it and goes, well, shit, 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 shit. You're like, dude, you probably should stop swearing. So as you can see, this was a very difficult pay-per-view for a lot of reasons, but that just makes this damn Hell in a Cell main event all the more sweet. It is of course the first one ever, but I actually think it's the best one that WWE has ever done. And also, just to create some real controversy, I also think it's my favorite match between The Undertaker and The Heartbreak Kid. I know, I get it, oh, how dare you say it. I'm not saying their WrestleMania matches are bad. They are absolute classics as well. But there's just something about this that makes me really happy. I mean, it still has its mystique over two decades later, which is why it doesn't just get an up. It gets a golden up. And a huge reason, as I've already alluded to, is because of the arrival of Kane. Again, if this is the TV, I was here just pushing it into my face, or it's like this. I mean, look how uncomfortable this is. And it's all out of focus because the camera can't handle it. But this honestly is how close I was watching the damn screen. And then think about it as well, from a stupid kid's perspective. He looks like he's going to murder someone. Then he rips the door off its hinges. If I didn't think I was going to wake my parents up, I would have just been shouting and hollering and having the greatest time of my life. And that's the end of the thing too, but everything prior is just so damn good. The violence, the absolute intensity of everything. And of course, it all made sense. These two had been put in the Hell in the Cell because DX wouldn't stop interfering. So everyone's like, all right, well, we're just gonna come up with this. I mean, this ticks every box, even when The Undertaker is making his entrance. Because as soon as you hear his dong, don't do it, you know what I'm talking about, D-Generation X act terrified because I swear, in 1997, The Undertaker's aura, it's off the charts and it will give you those goosey billy bumps. And sure, they still find a way to break out of the cell, but that's because HBK is fearful of his life and he sells as much from the very opening bell to the point it goes one, two, three. And, and do not forget, if you don't book the escape, you don't get The Undertaker picking Shawn Michaels up and just lawn darting him into the hell in the cell. And we have seen that image so many times over the years well, I don't want to live in a world without it. It also leads to that mad dangling bump as Shawn Michaels is holding onto the side and The Undertaker steps on his foot and he goes crashing through the table. And I understand it's not as spectacular as Mick Foley's, but it still creates quite the impact and will make you go, well, no wonder Mr. Michaels had back problems. That is a nasty, nasty fall. The final few minutes of this as well may very well be perfect, other than maybe the chair shot that Taker gives to Shawn Michaels, if you had told me that I'd like compressed his spine and compressed his neck, I would have believed you it is like a gun going off. The dead man then signals for the tombstone, which is when the lights go off. And I've said this before, I will say it again. You could do the lights out spot 78 times in one show, or Raw I guess I'm referring to, and I would enjoy every single one. It ain't ever gonna get old with me. I was losing the mind though, and then you get the fire, and you get the pyrotechnics, and you get the music, and you get Kane himself, and you get Paul Bearer. This is one of the most stupendous packages I have ever seen. In wrestling, don't you do it. The whole, that's gotta be Kane line from Vince McMahon is another classic. And of course, Jim Ross is all like, is that a human being? I don't know if it's a human being. And if you were young enough to see this and completely buy in, you would just, well, you were shitting bricks because all of it just seems so unreal. You then get the face-to-face -face for the first time between the Brothers Destruction, then just crying because life is so good. And then you get the pyrotechnics for the first time as Kane goes ha kapow and does the opposite of what The Undertaker did. And then he gives him his own move for the tombstone. And that was that, you were done. Put it right here, fan for life. And I know again, yeah, today, well, everybody does the tombstone. Everybody reverses Undertaker's tombstone. It's not today, it's 1997. So don't give me that crap. And it gets even better because as Kane walks off, out of a pool of his own blood, 
Shawn Michaels just crawls over to The Undertaker and he gets the victory. But he looks like he's been killed and fair play to the ounces too. They sell that wonderfully. I just think it is a 10 out of 10 occasion. The fans are also stunned into silence as the Heartbreak Kid is dragged out of there by Triple H in China. And as soon as I finish this video, I don't even care, man. I'm gonna go watch it again. With that said, if somebody could tell me why Kane, after he picks up the Undertaker for the tombstone, does a little twirly twirl and goes round a 360 before dropping him, I would love to know. It has been ages. It makes me laugh every time because I'm an idiot and I still have no reason for it, it makes him, dare I say it, look a little bit stupid. Now amazingly too, when I did try and do my Wrestling Observer newsletter star ratings research, I could only find one which was for the main event, where Dave Meltzer wrote, probably five stars. So I guess he gave it five stars, but who the hell knows? So for this week and any other times where I can't find them, I went to the Pro Wrestling Torch, because they're well easy, they're right there on Google. And the opening match of the Nation versus LED got one and a half stars. The Minis match got two stars, don't know how that one works out. The Godwins versus the Headbangers got one and a half stars. Owen versus Farouk got one star. DOA versus Los Bariquas got three and a quarter stars. Brett and Bulldog versus the Patriot Invader got two and a half stars. And the Hell in a Cell only got four and three quarter stars. I'm sorry, you can find a quarter star from somewhere. It's a Damn classic. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.